Welcome to the podcast from Eden Worship Center. Because we believe that it is God's Word that does God's work in God's people, we want you to hear the gospel preached in the gathering of believers. We want you to read it for yourself and to join us as we think together and talk together about the sermon from this past week and what's going on in our world. You can join the conversation by sending in your comments and questions to EdenWC at Hotmail.com. May God cause His Word to come alive in your heart today. All right. Well, welcome everybody to the Midweek Podcast. Pastor Matt here. And Pastor John. All right. Well, it may look and sound a little bit different. Uh, we're actually recording this from the incredible EWC Kitchen. Yes. Yes. John had a whole thing lined up. The, live from the Eden Worship Center <laughs> Kitchen. It was, he suggested a cooking show, and I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's something we visit in the future. Yeah, we can cook that up sometime. <laughs> so sad. Can you hear head shaking on an audio <laughs> podcast? Because that's what I'm doing. Uh, so they are outside working on our parking lot driveway out mm-hmm. in front of the church. Um, Jonas came in and broke the whole thing up with the skid loader. Mm-hmm. And they are leveling it right now and going to be pouring that this week. So Making quick work of it. Yeah, they're, they're doing better than me. <laughs> if it was me, it would not be going that well. I can no, just no. I can tell you that right off the bat. Uh, but because of that, there's a lot of sort of construction noise going on out there. Yes, and so the normal place in the conference room or even in the office isn't conducive for a podcast. So it was interesting during prayer time this morning. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> people kept praying, God, just help us drill deep into you. <laughs> It Help us dig deeper into your word. Deeper, deeper. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice, uh, just confession, good for the soul. By the way, if you're a dude and you want to come uh, mm, Wednesday yes. mornings at 6 a.m., uh, we're just praying through the Psalms. And mm-hmm. uh, so here's two bits of encouragement. Number one, you should come. Uh, number two, if you're like, I don't think I could pray for an hour, and I certainly couldn't pray for an hour at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Because you're reading through the psalm and, and then praying through God's word, you're praying with your eyes open. Yes. Incredibly helpful. Unless, of course, <laughs> here's the thought from this morning. You have uh, a sound machine going on outside. Like our daughter McKay has these sound machines for their babies when they sleep. Oh, yeah. And it, that's kind of what I, I thought this morning. I'm like, I'm really glad this isn't just sit and pray with your eyes closed while it's like... In the background, like, oh, yes. ocean waves. You're getting sleepy. Yeah, it would have knocked me out mm. entirely. The thunking sound of our heads hitting the, our Bibles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what wakes you up. Yeah. When you hear Pastor John's head bang off the table. All right. Uh, so, hey, we're looking at Genesis 15 from this past week mm-hmm. in sort of familiar territory with... God speaking with Abram. He's going to be Abraham, but at this point he's still Abram. Abram. And uh, speaking to him again, confirming the covenant and God's promises to him again. And uh, a couple of like key verses for all of the Old Testament, uh, all of Scripture are found in here. So uh, verse 6, where it says, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. That's kind of an easy go-to Mm-hmm. Everybody knows this is a big verse. Yes. Uh, but then also verse 17, 
Mm-hmm. that talks about uh, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch, uh, the presence of God, uh, the image of God comes down and passes between the pieces, between the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And it, it's God confirming the covenant all by himself, uh, yep. God establishing it. Uh, so it, it's not this salvation covenant because Abram has done any good thing mm-hmm. or will do any good thing. It's actually God fully accomplishing it all on his own. Yes. Um, so maybe we'll, we'll just spend some time talking about that for yeah. a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, think about that a little bit. Uh, one of the things that struck me as interesting is uh, this is this is a first in, in this passage. Uh, first that we haven't really seen up to this point. Uh, it's the first time that someone is uh, declared or reckoned righteous before mm-hmm. God yeah. and that we're told about it. So you talked to us a couple weeks ago when we were looking at Lot that the New Testament's going to tell mm-hmm. that about mm-hmm. Lot. But in the Old Testament, if we were just left with the story that we have, mm-hmm. we would put Lot in the schmuck category. <laughs> yes. Like there's no way, oh wait, that guy's the hero? <laughs> that there's no way. And in fact, if the New Testament, you could you could tell when you're like, and righteous Lot, and people are like, yeah, I think that's a misprint. Yeah, yeah. I mean like, it's like calling Biff from uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> He's the hero? No way. <laughs> Now, if you're unfamiliar with Back to the Future, they then did a future one of Back to the Future. So that's future, future. Yes. Not the hero. All right. So different story with Lot, though. Like surprisingly, which that's a great illustration of Biff there, because there's no way you're going to come up with that. Yeah. And yet righteous, except here for the first time. Uh, in recorded scriptural history, we're told that someone is declared righteous before God. Mm-hmm. We don't, this isn't a hardened fast. And on this day, Abram right. was saved. Right. But there is something with this belief in this moment that mm-hmm. is counted as righteousness to him that we're not told about previously. Yeah. So you kind of get this idea as I was reading back through some of the chapters that we've already covered as Abram is following God, he's following his commands, he's following his directions. But we've noted a few times, almost half-heartedly, mm-hmm. God says, leave and leave your father's household. And he leaves and takes his father's household with him. <laughs> okay. Uh, God <laughs> says, go to Canaan. And he stops in Haran and lives there for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he gets to <laughs> Canaan and there's a famine and he goes, yeah, I'm not staying here and goes to Egypt. All right, well, we're picking up a pattern here, Abram. You're doing what you think is best, yep. not necessarily what God has said is best. Mm-hmm. And then Egypt doesn't work out, so he comes back to Canaan, and there's a war. And it, the illustration that I thought of in studying through this is he's basically been following God's GPS. Mm. Yeah. And here's why I yeah. like that turn of phrase and didn't have time to talk about it on Sunday. GPS, I don't know if you've experienced the same thing, has changed everything. Yes. It used to be. You don't know where you're going. Now, kids, I realize there's no children listening to this podcast. (laughs) But if there were, we used to have something in the car called a map. Map. And you had to pull it out. It was usually in the seat, uh, under the seat or in the glove box or something like Mm -hmm. that. You'd pull it out. You'd look up where you are and where you're going and then what roads actually got you there. And then 
one person's a driver and one person's a navigator. Yep. They're like, okay, it looks like 19's coming up. You're going to turn right on that for, and it, it didn't, it didn't say like, turn right on 19 for six and a half miles. You just kind of held up your hand for about an inch and a half. We're gonna- <laughs> yeah, about an inch and a half turn right. <laughs> but here's the thing. Once you got there, having done that, you knew how to get home. Yes. Like you could get there where now I have found, and I don't know, have you experienced this? Oh yeah. If I'm just listening to GPS, once we get there, I have to do GPS on the way home because I can't get there. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know how to get to a place. I just know how to follow the GPS there and, and and back. Listen to someone tell you turn right. (laughs) Yep. It's almost like that's what we're seeing with Abram in the passages leading up to this. This has been something external and not internal to him. Yeah. He's, he's been obeying when it's expedient to him, when he thinks uh, it serves his best interest. And when it doesn't, he's just doing his own thing. Yep. So much of that, I think we see in the church and the world today. Like, I'm happy to go along with this as mm-hmm. long as it doesn't for one second impede upon what I think is best and right and how things should happen. Yep. And if that happens, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, I'll drop that pastor, that church, that community group, uh, even friends and family so fast because mm-hmm. what I say is the way. Yes. And I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what God says. Yep. I remember I was hiking one time and... Along the trail, it went at the, the foot of a cliff. And I looked up, and there's this natural rock bridge that went one, from one cliff to the other. I'm like, ooh, I want to go up there and walk across that thing. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, you know, probably a lot of people want to do that, so I'm sure the trail goes up there. So I just stayed on the trail, and pretty soon that rock cliff was being left behind me, and I couldn't see it anymore. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm going to go up there myself. So I went back and climbed up this hill full of briars and thistles and scratched and banged up and dented. <laughs> I finally got up there where I wanted to go. And lo and behold, I got up there and got right back up on the trail where if I had followed the trail, it would have led me right there anyhow. Yeah. But as soon as I, what I wanted got out of sight, I decided to go my own way and I paid the price for it. it you didn't fall off cliff though, right? I did not fall off the okay. cliff. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. Yes, yes. If I did, I bang my head really hard because I don't remember. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that that's exactly how we do sometimes. As long as what we want is on the trail, but as soon as we, we don't see it anymore, we decide to blaze our own way. Yeah. And Abraham certainly did that and got in some trouble a couple times. Yeah, and you know, here is one of the things that actually comforted me in studying through this, uh, we see Abram make the same mistake on either side of his salvation. Mm, Yeah. So here's, here's one of the things that we tend to do in the church as Christians and especially to Christians, which is we go, Oh, you made that mistake while you were a non-Christian. We're going to give you a pass. Like we're, we're going to trust in the grace of God that has covered all of your sins. And if you make the same mistake on the other side, mm. mm-hmm. well, we're going to be super condescending and doubt your salvation. And, you know, yep. it, we, we give lip service to salvation by grace alone. 
And then when it comes down to it, what we actually demand is salvation by works. Yes. And it's, it's really tricky because our works are evidence of God's work in our life. Right. And there's a lot of people out there who are uh, fooling themselves in, in saying, no, I'm, I'm saved. I'm trusting in Christ when they're not at all. Mm-hmm. They're, they're literally trusting in themselves. Uh, they just happen to think for the moment that God is the best way to go about it. Right. Until that opportunity comes along and then they will gladly part with God and his word. Man, we're just seeing this in mainline denominations oh, yeah. who have claimed to be churches for a long time. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they are in the dilemma of, do I follow in obedience with what the world says? Do I follow in obedience with what God's word says? They push aside God's word that the clear teaching of God's word yep. and follow the inclinations of their own heart. Yes. Yeah. We see that in revelation when Jesus is talking to the churches uh, and that he'll remove their lampstand. Uh, he will, they will no longer be viable for ministry, useful to God. Yeah. Uh, and yet we see that with Abraham with uh, Pharaoh before, and pretty soon we'll see it with the same thing with Abimelech where, Hey, Tell him you're my sister. Yeah. He's going to do the same thing over again, and yet he's still in the position of grace. Yep. Because uh, salvation is the work of God. Mm-hmm. I, I love the, uh, there was a line in the, the video we showed for the kids. Mm-hmm. God passed through the sacrifice, which we're going to talk about in a second, and Abram did nothing. Yep. And Abram did nothing. <laughs> Good picture of our salvation. Yes. Like, now, we do all kinds of stuff after that mm-hmm. it, because of God's great love for us. Yes, because of. But not, not causing God's great love for us. I actually think we wouldn't have as many unfaithful churches if we had the same sacrificial symbolism that they had here. Mm. <laughs> so God's going to make a covenant with Abram and is going to remind him who he is. I am the Lord. I, I'm the God who brought you here, that, who has led you to this land mm-hmm. that you're going to possess, that you're currently in. And again, I, I, I love the honesty of Scripture. And <laughs> Abram goes, yeah, but how am I going to know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's already said, what can you give me since I'm childless? And, and God takes him outside and goes, dude, I made the universe. <laughs> so puny man, look up and count the stars if you can, and mm-hmm. you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about that this morning, yes. just a little bit of uh, some stuff that you had <coughs> looked at in the past. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, in looking at this passage years ago uh, about counting the stars that uh, at one point men had believed, astronomers believed that there were around 1,500 stars uh, then a few decades later, they said, no, 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 we were wrong. There's like, uh, 5,000 or so. Uh, and then it changed again a few decades later to a higher number. And then something interesting happened. The telescope was invented <laughs> and they realized they were completely off the mark. Yeah. Yeah. Really off the mark. So <laughs> now, uh, we're at a place where, uh, like there is a fixed number of stars. You're right. But it is beyond our comprehension. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that's kind of the thing. And it, God is pointing him towards this and going, yeah, my ability to do this is beyond your comprehension. Yep. And then what does Abram come back with? 
uh, how do I know that <laughs> I'm going to possess this? <laughs> yep. And it, this is really interesting. Uh, in verse 8, uh, he says, Oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And again, God doesn't give him an answer. <laughs> the first time he says, go out and look at the stars. And mm-hmm. now he's going to say, uh, take a look at the covenant. Look at the, the type of covenant that is made between you and me. Verse 9, he said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these, cut them in half, laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came along down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So God's going to point him towards something Abram is familiar with, this mm-hmm. idea of a covenant. It, it had sacrifice within it, even though the sacrificial system uh, is still a couple hundred years away. That, that's yet to come in Leviticus uh, in the law as God is going to give it under Moses. Mm-hmm. But there was something of sacrifice that was here. Yeah. And... There was, I didn't talk about this at all on Sunday, but Abram's waiting for something. Mm. He's waiting for the moment where in this covenant, him and God will walk through these pieces of the mm-hmm. sacrifice together. Together, yeah. And he's just kind of looking at his watch. I don't know if he had a <laughs> sundial on his wrist. That, like, <laughs> they didn't have Apple watches back then. Whatever he, or, or Seiko or whatever. Uh, he... Uh, He's just waiting and waiting and waiting. And in that waiting, these birds keep coming down. Uh, Scavengers keep coming down to pull apart the sacrifice that he thinks he understands, but he doesn't fully get it yet. Yes. And in that moment of not fully getting it, he keeps chasing them away. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to stand by this. I'm going to defend this, even though God isn't showing up on the timetable that I thought he should or would. Mm Mm-hmm. I I think there's a good lesson for us as believers in there. When God's timing doesn't match ours, we still choose faithfully to stand by God and his covenant Mm -hmm. and not go, well, maybe it was all wrong. Yeah. I hate it when something happens, something moderately good, not even earth-shakingly life and death good, and someone who's a professing believer goes, Oh, I guess there is a God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you're listening to this and that's part of your vocabulary, will you just stop it? Like, will you not say that anymore? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because my first thought is, I don't think this person's a Christian. Yeah. Even if they say it in, in kind of a joking way, if, if the things that go on in your life are the determining factors of whether or not there is a God, yeah, then the odds are you're not actually a believer in the one true God. You're just Abram following that GPS of what sounds good to you. Mm-hmm. And as soon as something else sounds better, you're going to leave the one true God for that other yep. small and, G God. And I think that's one thing here that does speak of Abraham. He, he cut these things in half, laid them out like God said, and he's waiting for God to show up, and God doesn't show up, God doesn't show up, but he keeps on waving off these birds of prey. Uh, it's, it's, he's saying, you know what? God's coming. I'm not going to walk away and abandon this. God is coming, so you guys get out of here. Yep. I'm, I trust that God will come. Yeah. Uh, so it's one way to look at, yeah, Abraham really did believe. Um, even when God wasn't working on his timetable, he didn't walk away. Yeah. Uh, 
So, so here's, yeah. here's the call. I actually got a call from Melissa Lehman um, this afternoon. And she's like, hey, I got, a, I got a comment for the podcast, but I'm sure I missed it. Yeah. Which normally, we record this thing about 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Yeah. And try and have it up by noon, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but because of a meeting I had in the morning and then a lunch meeting that you had just before lunch, <laughs> we had pushed this off to, I don't know, what is it now? It's like 2 o'clock, 2.30 uh, when we started recording. Yeah, it was about 2.30. Yep. And so I'm like, actually, in God's providence, you haven't missed it. <laughs> and she said, as somebody who works with farmers and businesses and with their herds and cattle and things like that, it struck her when God said, bring me a heifer three years old. And she's like, I was stunned by that on Sunday because a three-year-old heifer doesn't exist. It's not something that just is there in your herd of animals. Now, let's be honest. (laughs) I'm not a farmer. Uh, I know some of the, the lingo and things that go along with it. Not an expert. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much an expert on not that. I'm good at eating cows. Can <laughs> yeah. we say that? I can eat yeah. a cow. Yeah, a spiritual <laughs> gift. I can even cook it most of the time. So I, I knew that a heifer meant a female cow. Mm-hmm. Right? So all cows are female, like bulls and steers would be male. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was a female, and I knew it was a female that hadn't had a calf yet. Right. And what I didn't realize was the timetable that somewhere around a year and Melissa, if I'm messing this up, I apologize. It's me, not you. Uh, (laughs) Somewhere around a year, uh, this cow is going to get bred and then it's a long gestational process. So somewhere around two years, she's going to give birth and go from being a heifer to being a cow. Mm -hmm. So it's ironic. One of the reasons I know the word heifer is because my kids called people heifers all the time yep. and they yep. didn't mean it like <laughs> insulting, but I'm like, no, you can't say that. It's not going to be heard. All right. Scratch that part off the podcast. All right. Anyway. So at two, she becomes a cow. And if you have a herd of cows, you're doing it, uh, as in Abram's time, it, this is the sign of your wealth. Mm-hmm. And this is the means of your wealth. Like uh, reproduction, it, it's not only food, but milk, and then being able to sell part of your herd. Mm-hmm. And what you would never have is a three-year-old unbred cow. It makes no financial sense at right. all. And it's not even going to happen in just normal terms. Right. Because... At some point, if she's in with the herd, she's going to get bred. Yeah. Also interesting that Melissa said the name for, for that would be a virgin heifer. Which interesting. I thought was, was interesting. Yeah. Um, and what would have had to happen was this heifer had to be separated on purpose. Mm. Not, for, not for financial reasons. Uh, not for anything business that would go along with this herd that you're maintaining. Uh, this had to be something done on purpose for this very purpose. Hmm. Uh, so for covenant or for sacrifice, this would have been separated and set apart, set apart. Mm-hmm. The imagery of that is, is pretty 
strong, especially since this is a few hundred years before the Levitical law is coming, yeah. where yeah. you would have animals from birth based on they had to be spotless, who mm-hmm. would be set apart from the rest of the herd. And their entire purpose was sacrifice. Yeah. Something of that existed here because we have a three-year-old heifer. Mm-hmm. It, you can't just go and get one. Hmm. Like, this takes, th- this is years in the making. Yeah. At which point I'm talking to Melissa and my mind is racing. I'm like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is fantastic. Of all the uh, resources that I had looked at for this sermon, I didn't find anybody who talked about it. Oh, yeah. It struck me as really interesting. That is. That is. Yeah. That idea of it being set apart and intentional uh, for this purpose of a covenant. I mean, there, there's a lot of depth in that. Yeah. Uh, it also testifies. It, it's a reinforcement to the, the thing that we did talk about of this was a common business practice. Yes. That, that understanding there was sacrifice involved. But then in the sacrifice, the two people would divide the animals and then walk down the middle of it. Mm-hmm. The fact that he has a three-year-old heifer on hand. Yeah means that this actually was something common that was going on in that time period. Which is why I say, if we went back to that with churches, we'd have a lot less lackadaisical apostate churches. Oh, yeah. If every time that they gathered, there was a reminder. If I'm unfaithful to the covenant that God has made, (laughs) may, may we as a church, as elders, as a congregation, be cut in half just like this animal. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. Maybe... Maybe not. <laughs> no, that, that actually will kind of tie into my sermon this coming Sunday. That's a hook for you to listen on Sunday. Ooh, yes. <laughs> so part of the, the homework that I had asked people to do, I don't know when's the last time we had a sermon with homework attached <laughs> to it, but was to do a little Bible research on may I be cut off. Mm. Because we're going to find it again and again. And it's, it's an oath that it, we find throughout the New Testament mm-hmm. in kind of an imprecatory statement. In other words, it gets leveled at people who are unfaithful. Like, yeah. may you be cut off. Yep, anathema. And it, it stems back to this idea that God has separated a people for himself. And if I'm not faithful to this covenant, may I be separated it, not just from God's people. May my life be taken from mm-hmm. me. So, so we, we find again and again, there's too many references uh, to go into, but uh, oaths being taken, uh, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by tomorrow, yes, that we find a few people in the Old Testament taking that, uh, if I'm not faithful to this, may I be cut off. Mm-hmm. And even going into this idea that the sign that God is going to give, so uh, alluded to it, that we still see in weddings today imagery of this original covenant. Right. Even of this walking of the Isle of Blood. Mm-hmm. And I, I was telling a, a couple I was doing some premarital counseling with, I've done a whole bunch of outdoor weddings. I don't know how many outdoor weddings you've done. Oh, I've only done one, one outdoor. Okay. So one of them was at, at their in-laws lake house Mm -hmm. and it was really small there was probably only 30 35 people there Mm. and it's just in their backyard with the beautiful lake behind it so only 30 people they they didn't have chairs and they said okay well where's the aisle how are we going to walk down the aisle 
And I said, well, we're not. Like, we're going to call <laughs> everybody over and everybody's just going to stand there. Hmm. And they were adamant. Now, these are not religious people. Mm-hmm. We need to walk down the aisle. Huh. And that has like lodged in my brain ever since then. Like there's, there's this impulse of covenant that's in there oh, yeah. that says like we have to walk this aisle of covenant, mm-hmm. it, which you, you see in the story of Abram here. But in the wedding, there's always these tokens of the covenant that are exchanged. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about it super quick. So in the wedding, it's the wedding ring. Right. A permanent token or a permanent uh, symbol to be always carried with you to be a reminder of the covenant that you have made mm-hmm. with this other person and before God. So God is, is sort of rolling out in progressive revelation. It is giving this covenant with Abram and it, God mm-hmm. is doing all the work. Abram's doing nothing. And then he goes, okay, here's the sign. You're actually going to carry it with you in your body and it's circumcision. Yes. Yep. Circumcision is the sign of the covenant of mm-hmm. the Abrahamic covenant and fascinating that built in with that is something is cut off. <laughs> yes. And so we, we, we find references to that of may you be cut off even as the foreskin is cut off and discarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you aren't faithful to the covenant, it, you've been cut off from the world, but if you're not faithful, you'll be cut off from God. Mm-hmm. And I didn't come up with this. All right. Can I be clear <laughs> that this was not my idea, <laughs> but God put this in a rather intimate and delicate place that Abram would have seen at least on a daily basis and been reminded, I have been cut off from the world. And if I'm unfaithful to God, I could be cut off. From- <laughs> yeah. Oh well, my goodness. I think it's one great evidence that this isn't a man-made religion because what man would make that? You can't, <laughs> you can't. If we decided we wanted a sign and a symbol that you were a member of Eden Worship Center, <laughs> And then we said we wanted that to be the location of it. I can't, I'm not even saying it on the podcast <laughs> right now. It's that, like, <coughs> literally, that would probably be my last week as pastor. People are like, no, seriously, he's gone insane. <laughs> and yet God has given this idea of mm-hmm. the severity of being cut off. Yeah. And the warning that, that would have been carried in the bodies of the men of God's people like, Mm -hmm. no, seriously, if you are unfaithful, you'll be cut off. Yep. If you are unfaithful, you will be cut off. Uh, so a little bit of trivia that I like, (laughs) uh, the person who performed the circumcision was called a moil. Like, I'm sure you know that. No. Well, okay. Anyways. Yeah. That's just the, uh, the sort of Jewish Yiddish name for that is okay. A moil is the the person who does that. That's Uh, worse than the word moist. Yeah. (laughs) He's, uh, (laughs) He's going to do his job uh, on the eighth day. That, that's when the law uh, said that Jewish boys were to be circumcised. And as they circumcised the foreskin, the part that they threw away, so that the extra skin that was, that was cut off and thrown away was, in Yiddish, is called the schmuck. <laughs> do with that what you will. Think about that the next time that you are tempted to call. I won't be able to help but to think about that. Oh, yeah. It's kind of awesome. Uh, 
All right, so just for the sake of time here, uh, one of the things that we had just touched on was the magnitude of God's plan. Uh, again, mm-hmm. uh, God never goes to Abram and explains, here's what's happening and how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I know you got questions. I, I know you have concerns. Let me explain it to you. I, as a pastor, I found that really interesting because my first inclination is to try and explain to people. Yes. Try and make a defense. Uh, try and put the pieces together. If you can just see the pieces, then you'll be okay. Yeah. God never does that. God points to himself and he points mm-hmm. to the covenant. Yeah. Oh my yep. goodness, is that fantastic. <clears throat> it, it really reminds me <clears throat> of, I mean, how he does that so many times. Psalm 11, which I've talked about before, where, you know, when the foundations crumble, what can the righteous do? And the next verse, God doesn't answer that question. He says, the Lord is on his throne. Yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't say, he doesn't answer the question. He says, remember who I am. Yeah. Well, and so in the New Testament, he's going to say, so God has sworn this. And there's two things that testify towards this. Number one, his character that cannot change. And number two, it is impossible for God to lie. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what God points to. He points to his character, who he is, mm-hmm. and that he cannot lie. He always keeps his promises. Yep. Always keeps <clears throat> his promises. Uh, so God is going to establish his covenant with Abram and his descendants. But one of the things that... Abram is just oblivious to now, at <laughs> least oblivious to on a like, Oh, this is what you're doing level is verse 16. He's mm-hmm. talking about your, your descendants will come back here in the fourth generation to the promised land for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Yes. So there, there's a people who are living there, the Amorites, a, a, a nation an ethnicity and there's some sort of wickedness and rebellion that's going on with them. And God is going to do two things simultaneously without explaining it, which is bring perfect judgment on the Amorites for their sin, their rebellion, their treason against him. He's Mm -hmm. going to take away their land and at the same time, uh, perfectly deal in righteousness with his people and give the promised land to them. Mm -hmm. And it's the same movement the the displacement (laughs) and destruction of the Amorites and the placement within the promised land of God's people. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating to me how part of that judgment is part of God's plan for blessing. Yes. We're not explained how Mm -hmm. we don't get told why. And again, back to timetable, like this is really good news. Like, Oh yes, God is going to deal with the wicked in my life. The the wicked that's going around and around me, uh, only this promise gets made somewhere around four to 500 years before it's fulfilled. Yes. (laughs) Which is why I think I said on Sunday, in just 500 short years, years. God's going to perfectly (laughs) sort this all out. Man, we get, we get flustered in five minutes. Yeah. You know, and if something goes on five days, Mm -hmm. oh, it's terrible. If it goes on for five months, God's not faithful. Yes. Yep. We, uh, we quit shooing away the birds of prey because we're like, God's not showing up. Yeah. I'm out of here. And it's also interesting. People will look at this and think how, <clears throat> how mean God is that he kicked these people out of their land. But that verse says, you know what? This is what they earned. Yeah. Um, they, they weren't innocent. And God is not partial. We find that several centuries after he use the Israelites to kick the Amorites out. 
Several centuries after that, he used the Syrians to come and take the Israelites away from their land because of the same thing. They had sinned and rebelled against God. And then he judged the Syrians for attacking his people. I mean, he, he is sovereign and he will deal with iniquity. Yeah. There are no innocents. He's able to deal with nations in a way that we are not. Yes. And in a way that even our modern political system is not. <laughs> now, I, I think we still, as a nation, we do the best that we can right. to care for our people, to defend other nations, like mm-hmm. to stand for righteousness in the world. <clears throat> but we aren't even close to being able to operate on this plane. Yeah. Where it's perfect righteousness, it's perfect justice, it's perfect mercy. And it, mm-hmm. like none of the, we just go back and forth like that's a pendulum. Like, yeah. It, do I either have justice or do I have mercy? And God does both perfectly. Yeah. At the same time with the same action. Unbelievable. It is. It is. Uh, at lunch, actually, I was talking with somebody about how God can take one one situation, one action. And if there are 10 people surrounding that, he impacts them each in a different way, which in turn, how they have been impacted, then impacts the people who they are, have influence over and so on and so forth exponentially to where God and his incredible sovereignty can use one action to impact thousands in completely different ways. It's, it, it, it is amazing to me how God orchestrates that. Uh, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's beautiful, and it's his work, yep. uh, which is the point of verse 17, the next verse after mm-hmm. that. So we see God's judgment towards his enemies, and then the next verse, uh, we see God's unilateral covenant with his people. Mm-hmm. So unilateral, one side, one actor, one person doing anything. Abram is an observer, not a participant. Yes. Other than he got the sacrifice around... <laughs> And then he's just done. He's just on the sidelines. Uh, Verse 17, when the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot, a flaming torch passed between the pieces. I I shared it on Sunday because I loved the story of R.C. Sproul saying, this is his life verse. (laughs) Yes. And then the seminary student being like, did you tell me the wrong reference? Like that doesn't, (laughs) that doesn't sound like a life verse, but knowing this idea of covenant, that it should have been God and Abram walking together through the pieces, Mm -hmm. both of them saying, I will live up to my end of the bargain. If I don't, may I be cut off just Mm -hmm. like these pieces of this sacrificial animal. And uh, then both of them keeping their end of the bargain and, the idea, and it, it, is, it is the foundation for everything we're going to see in the Old Testament, yep. absolutely everything we see in the New Testament, yep. that salvation is all God's work. Mm-hmm. We, we aren't even participants. So right. it, it's not that there's some, uh, especially in the, the sacramental version of Christianity that would say God has done half of the work or 75% of the work. And then through your good deeds, your good works, your penance, Mm -hmm. uh, your use of the sacraments, then you sort of tip yourself over the top. This is the potential salvation. This is the the idea that Christ died for everyone. And so you have Mm -hmm. potential salvation as opposed to actually accomplishing salvation. Well, then what determines whether or not you're saved? It's not not God because he's done that for everybody. 
It's actually you. And we fill in the insufficiency of Christ, basically. Yeah. That's a scary, scary thought to have. I feel bad that you just said that. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's a chance. <clears throat> yeah. You just lost your salvation. <laughs> it's not true because salvation is all a work That's, of the Lord. Yes. Thanks be to God. <laughs> so instead of it being us that, that puts us over into salvation, uh, here we see established that Abram is on the sideline and God alone walks through the pieces. So mm-hmm. in their culture, it would have been two guys making a covenant, walking back and forth. In a wedding, mm-hmm. it's always husband and wife who walk out the aisle together. No yes. matter how they came in, yep. they always walk that aisle out together. Yeah. And they're, in that, there's a, a promise and a pledge that I will be faithful to that which I have covenanted. If mm-hmm. not, I will suffer the consequences. Yeah. And it is, it is beyond comprehension that the eternal, all-powerful, unchanging God of the universe would say, if I don't live up to my end of the bargain, may I be cut off. Right. Cut off from Godhood. <laughs> yeah. Cut off from sovereignty. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those where you hear it and you go, well, that's a safe bet. Yeah. Like Christians don't normally engage in, in betting and wagering it mm-hmm. mostly just because we want to be good stewards of God's finances that he's entrusted to us. Yeah. That's a safe bet. Yes. Right. Bet the house on that one. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's basically saying, if I don't fulfill this, may I not be God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but the fact that he walks alone, which is why Sproul really hammered on this. He's not just saying, if I don't live up to my end of the bargain, he's saying, if you don't live up to your end of the bargain, I'm walking for you. Mm-hmm. May I be cut off? If Matt is unfaithful, if John is unfaithful, if Abraham is unfaithful, may God be cut off Mm -hmm. because of that. And then you start thinking about Christ, the perfect sacrifice who's coming. Like there's streams that are running together through the Old Testament that we did not see coming until Mm -hmm. Jesus appears. That, That the religious leaders didn't see coming until Christ appears, who was stricken. Isaiah 53. Mm hmm. Uh, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living? Mm-hmm. Like it's super intentional that the prophet uses the fr- the phrase, the language being cut, cut off. off. It, yeah. And yet, in that is how we are made righteous. Mm-hmm. That we are accounted righteous. Incredible. Isaiah fifty three is using the same language from yep. uh, verse six that we read earlier, which I love. That verse six only has four words in the Hebrew. The, oh, uh, mm-hmm. Amen, Yahweh reckoned righteous that's it that's all that's in that verse it's four words in the hebrew and in isaiah 53 which isn't even in the new testament yet it's just Mm -hmm. the clearest picture that we have of christ in his coming uh in that in his being cut off we are reckoned righteous yep it's the same salvation that abraham this is the gospel right in the middle of the old testament yep it it brings to light really what Jesus was saying when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. I've been cut off. I've uh, been separated. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's one of the things where when we consider the hypostatic union, that this joining together of, of Christ's divinity and Christ's humanity, if it doesn't make your head hurt, you're not thinking <laughs> about it right. Yes. If we think we have a simple understanding of either the Trinity or, or Christ's divinity and humanity, no, yeah. like, we're thinking about it like a child who's, who's 
not thinking about it deeply at all, just sort of on the surface, like, oh, yeah, I believe that. Come on, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, I'm an illustration guy. Like, I think in illustrations, Mm -hmm. it's one of the most helpful things in helping other people understand stuff. Mm -hmm. No. Like, we dare not come up with an illustration of that. I I think that might be a violation of the second commandment, of making Mm -hmm. an image of God that is incomplete and inaccurate. Yes. We dare not do that. Yep. There is something beautiful that happened as Christ joins his eternal divinity with frail humanity mm-hmm. and then suffers the penalty because all those years previously he had walked alone. Not on not just for Abram, but on everyone who in you all the nations will be blessed. Like yes. this is a promise that just it, it's like when you go here, illustration. It's like when you go and you pick up a rock and you're going to skip it across the water. Mm-hmm. The first place that it hits, by the way, that's Abram, that mm. Abraham is, is not the final resting place. It's going to mm. bounce, yep. bounce. And with each bounce, like the, the impact gets a little bigger. Mm-hmm. It, it goes a little bit deeper into the water until it hits the place where it just disappears under the surface. Mm-hmm. Abram is just the first skip and it's going to bounce a few more times before it ever reaches the New Testament. And then before it just sails into our modern age and brings salvation to you and I, but holy cow, (laughs) it, it, it is astounding to think that the eternal unchanging immutability is part of the nature and character of God. Mm -hmm. It makes my brain hurt. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Immutable. God cannot change. Cannot change. Somehow he changed. Mm-hmm. Like not, not in his divinity. Right. But something in the joining with humanity changed and suffered and died. Mm-hmm. Or an actual death. This is yeah. why the early heretics said, well, there's no way that happened. Yeah. It, it, it couldn't have been a real death. That was a spiritual death, which is why we confess every single week uh, Christ has died. Yes. If, if there is no physical death, there's no physical resurrection. You, yeah. It, the resurrection depends upon a true physical death, and our salvation depends upon a true resurrection. Yeah. It, if it wasn't a physical death, then we are all destined for hell. It's all pinned to it. <laughs> yeah. And I love that that entire picture of salvation uh, is blossoming right here in Genesis 15. Yes. We're a long ways away in progressive revelation as God sort of reveals bit by bit, part by part. Mm-hmm. If, if you're going to uh, tell your kid how to do something, especially something complex and something for adults, you don't give them the whole thing at one time. Yeah. You give them one step. And usually one step is you take them by the hand. Mm-hmm. And then as they grow, as they mature, you're giving him more and more and more. We, we see that in the scripture as God is revealing more of who he is, mm-hmm. uh, more of how he thinks, how he's created this world to be, how we should then live in yep. light of that. Yep. We're a long ways from fully seeing Christ. But in Genesis mm-hmm. 15, uh, we've seen salvation through grace alone, by mm-hmm. faith alone. And we yep. should just stop and wonder. Yes. This should make us worship. Yes. It reminds me of something Jesus said after his resurrection to the disciples. He said, I have many more things to tell you, but you are not yet ready for them. Uh, that, yeah, it is a progressive revelation because God knows what we need yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Uh, so 
maybe just to wrap this up, uh, last week in studying for this, I uh, came across something from Albert Moeller. I was down here in the kitchen making lunch, <laughs> and John came down. I'm like, Albert Moeller is a genius. Yes. Because <laughs> he was sort of addressing this whole thing. If that's how salvation works in the New Testament, that's how it worked in the Old Testament. Yep. It was, it was a future-oriented faith in Christ. So we, we have a, a past-oriented faith in Christ. Christ mm-hmm. has come. The, the, the cross is a finished event in history. That, which is why it's not a sacrifice that we repeat week after week mm-hmm. in the Eucharist at all. Uh, it is a finished sacrifice once and for all. We offer him nothing. It, when we receive communion as Protestants, we receive his sacrifice. We don't offer anything to him. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, he was talking about how could Old Testament saints have a future-oriented faith in Christ that would uh, believe in their heart, that he is the Christ, the Son of God, uh, confessing with their mouth that he was not only crucified but resurrected, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore Romans is going to say that you'll be saved. Yep. And it's this progressive revelation. They did it by having faith in promises that God had not yet clarified to them. Yeah. They they hadn't heard and they hadn't understood, and they believed it. Yes. It's. It reminds me of one of. The, a, a well-worn movie trope. Um, a trope is a literary device that you see repeated over and over again, but always in the movies where the the hero and the heroine are in this horrible predicament. There's only one way out, but the one of them isn't sure, and so the hero will look at her and go, do you trust me? And she, <laughs> she doesn't know what he's planning, but they look in each other's eyes, and then she grabs his hand. And that's that's a picture of that, that... God is simply saying, do you trust me? I don't know what you got planned, God, but I trust you. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see it. I don't know the whole end of the story. You haven't explained to me how all these pieces are going to fit together or how it's going to work out. Amen. Yes. That's, that's what we see Abram doing. He doesn't Mm -hmm. get it. And he says, amen. It's literally the word amen, where it says Mm -hmm. he believed. It's just the word amen. Yep. Let it be so. Yep. If you are God, <laughs> as you've just said so clearly and a little sarcastically, <laughs> amen. I believe yes. it. Yep. And, uh, Hebrews 11, it reminded me something you said where it says, By faith Moses, um, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So Moses, it says that he was considered the reproach of Christ, looking to that reward. Now, Jesus hadn't been born yet. But like you said, how we get saved in the New Testament is still how they got saved in the Old. Um, Looking forward to and believing in a promise that they really really weren't yet sure how it was going to play out. Yeah but it was all in Christ. Yeah. And I actually think that's a, that's a beautiful way to sum this up, especially as modern believers, we're used to instant gratification with, with (laughs) knowledge and uh, facts and data. And if something can't make sense to us and pretty quick, Mm -hmm. we start dismissing it. Microwave faith. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly right. 
Exactly right. And God has stuck us in an oven. <laughs> yes. So much of the time. Sometimes it feels like an easy bake oven. You know, hours and hours. <laughs> Remember that? Just a little light bulb in there? <laughs> yes. So classic. Uh, but if, I shouldn't say if, when we find ourselves in that position, and maybe, maybe you're listening to this and you find yourself in that position like right now, like that's you right now, make that conscious decision no, I'm going to believe mm-hmm. I'm going to stand in faith and believe. And even if, as Habakkuk said, even if it tarries, wait for it, mm-hmm. even if God doesn't show up on your timetable, I'm going to chase away the birds of doubt and uh, disbelief and anger and bitterness. I'm going to, mm. it, just like Abram did chase those things away. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to stand in faith until I see God prove true. Yes. Because th- this work of salvation, it's all him. It's not me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who said it, but uh, it, if I could lose my salvation, I would. I would. <laughs> yeah. it, it just, it, I'm so prone, it, as the, the hymn writer said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Prone to leave the God I love. Yep. And it, his, it, even in that hymn that we're all so familiar with, his, his next line is not, so God, please explain it to me. Help me just see the whole picture. Help me see how A and B and C are all going to fit together. Because once I get it, then I'll understand. No, like our our cry for a couple hundred years as a church has been like, so God, here's my heart. Take and seal it. Mm -hmm. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Yeah. God, do this because I can't. Yeah. Fix my eyes on you, on on your character and on your promises, because God Mm -hmm. always keeps his promises. That's where we end up standing in faith and hope and confidence. Not when it all makes sense to us. Yep. So yeah, God help us when we can't see. Yes. All right. Well, Lord willing, we will see you as we worship together with you and God's people this coming Lord's day. Mm -hmm. Sunday school is at 9am. You should come. You should be there. Yes. Uh, It's, it's really good getting together with God's people, whether it's the children's Sunday school in helping teach the precepts of God and his word to our children or the adult Sunday school sitting in with other believers. And I love this week we had, uh, actively involved our teenagers. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Yes, So good. Yes. Uh, and then the worship service is at 10 AM. So Lord willing, we will see you there. And then Sunday night community group kickoff. Yeah. So, five o'clock out here at the building. Yep. Community group that. kickoff. Yeah. So if you're in a community group, man, definitely be here. If you're not in a community group, Definitely be here because you need community. You need brothers and sisters around you. Uh, Come find out where there's a place for you. Yes. All right. God bless. We will talk to you later. See you Sunday. See you.